mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Out of the Pit. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38, verses 6 through 13. Here now... Pastor Moody. Stand with me this morning, would you? I'm going to preach a little bit. There's something about being in a pit that makes you want to just get out. Just want to get out. And uh, I'm preaching this morning, by the way, on out of the pit. Out of the pit. And... uh, I've looked around the room this morning and I saw people coming to the altar and getting help and getting deliverance. There are people here today who've been in the pit and God's brought them out. Can I get a witness? Uh, I could point them out. I could tell you their stories. Some of you are still trying to climb your way out. I'm going to help you today. Try and touch somebody and say, I need a little help today, praise God. And pastor's got some help today, praise God. I'm preaching on out of the pit. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 38, I'm going to just kind of set this up and probably just try to be brief with this unless God has other plans. Jeremiah was an unusual person. Before he was born, God knew him. Before he was even conceived, God ordained him to be a prophet. And when you think of that, you think of the prophet's like Elijah, Elisha, the great men of God that spoke messianic prophecies and they were, you know, like Samuel, the whole nation trembled when Samuel even walked into their town. Such honor. But Jeremiah wasn't like that. He was despised because what he preached wasn't what they wanted to hear. It was a time when Israel was carried off, or about to be carried off to Babylon, captivity. Jeremiah was contemporary with some pretty famous people like Daniel. While Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem, Daniel was prophesying in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel. Uh, His ministry overlapped the ministry of Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and they, they were the ones that would come back after the 70 years in captivity that Jeremiah prophesied. And Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He said one place, oh, that my head might be water, that I might weep for my people. He said because God spoke to him and said, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water and hewn out broken cisterns. They're trying to survive in a pit on something that can't sustain them. And so Jeremiah's prophesying and they put him in prison. And yet God's word will not be silenced. And I get a witness. And so when Jeremiah begins to prophesy, I, I want to just look at chapter 38 and verse 6 and kind of, I know I've skipped a lot, but I, I, just for time's sake. It said they took Jeremiah and they cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamalek, 
that was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with cords and in the dungeon, there it was, I, I gotta clarify this. When you read this in some other translations, it says in the sewage pit below the prison. They let him down with cords into the mire. There was no water and there, but mire and Jeremiah sunk into the mire. God had a man. Somebody say, God had a man. And his name was, next verse, Ebed-Melech. Say that with me, Ebed-Melech. Now, he was an Ethiopian. He was one of the eunuchs. That means that he had been surgically rendered infertile and productive. In doing that, they made a slave of you. In doing that, they cut off your progenitory. There would be no descendants. Your name, your family name would die with you. He was thought to be finished. But here I am in 2021 telling you about Ebed-Melech. Look at somebody and say his name's still going. You might, you might not want to name your child Ebed-Melech, but it's a pretty good name. And uh, he was one of the eunuchs that was in the king's house and he heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. Now the king was sitting in the gate of Benjamin and he was sitting there to hear complaints. That's what the king did when he sat in the gate. And Ebed-Melech comes out of the palace and comes to the king with a complaint. And uh, Ebed-Melech went forth, verse number eight, out of the king's house and spoke to the king saying, my Lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they've done to Jeremiah the prophet whom they've cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die. He's gonna die for hunger in the place where he is for there's no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, watch this, the Ethiopian saying, take hence 30 men with you and take Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon, lift him up, somebody say, out of the pit before he dies. So Ebed-Melech, the scripture said, took men with him and he went to the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags. Let me tell you what that means. That means old thrown away garments that nobody thought was good for anything. So here's a man that's not supposed to be good for anything. And he's using things that nobody else wants. Can I tell you, we're kind of there today. Things of God are being rejected, being disdained, being ridiculed, being mocked, being made fun of. Things of the world are being lifted up and touted as being good when they're evil. And so he said, take them down into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Verse 12, and he bade me like the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, now put these old rags and these clouts, these, these garments under your armpits, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so and they drew up Jeremiah with the cords and, and took him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. They lifted him up out of this pit. Father, thank you for the word of God. Use us for a few moments and speak to that person that's in the pit today. I said, speak to that person that's in the pit today. Oh, God, speak to that man, that woman, that boy or girl who's in a pit today and they need somebody to throw them a lifeline. Something nobody else wanted, but it's gonna help them in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. You can be seated. Let me tell you about a pit. As I looked over the crowd this morning, I, I saw some people who've been in the pit. 
Some who were on drugs for decades. God lifted them up out of the pit. There's people here today that had cancer and death was pronounced on them and God picked them up out of the pit, lifted them up. Can you say amen? Some of you were in the pit of a broken relationship, a marriage that you gave your life to and you were betrayed and hurt and left in a pit. Can I get a witness? A pit can be a circumstance. It can be a relationship. It can be a situation. Can I go a little farther and say a pit can be a demonic oppression, even a demon possession. I remember one time years ago, we were having some prayer meetings here because there was a girl, a child that was dying with a heart condition that they were asking people everywhere to fast and pray and we were having special nights of prayer. And I had come home and I was in the shower getting ready to come to the prayer meeting and all of a sudden they started banging on the bathroom door saying, you've got to come to the church. You've got to get to the church. And so I, of course, got out of the shower, got dressed quickly, wet hair and all. I came to the church and in the parking lot I found people who'd been caught up in things that were demon-possessed. And in the parking lot, we were casting out devils. Hallelujah. Sometimes people are in a pit and they need something they wouldn't normally look for to get them out. You'd be surprised at the people who've been in pits. David would say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a pit. I fear no evil for thou art with me. David said in Psalms, 41, I've waited patiently for the Lord. And then in verse number two, he said, he said, I cried in verse number one. I cried out to him and he said, in verse two, he said, he brought me up out of the horrible pit. I'm talking about a king. He said, he brought me up out of the miry clay. Jeremiah was in the mire. The Syriac Bible renders that the pit of perdition and the mud of destruction. An older translation. Jeremiah, this man of God, this amazing prophet, his life is supernatural. He's anointed of God. He's, he's called of God. He's telling Israel things that they don't want to hear. And so they throw him in prison. The Bible said he was in, the, he was in prison at the time that God gave him this word. Back in chapter 36, it said it came in verse 1, it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, uh, the son of Josiah, who was the last good king of Israel, of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Take your roll and write therein all the words that I've prophesied to you. And uh, against Israel, notice this, against Israel, against Judah, the nation was divided at that time, against all the nations from the day that I spake unto thee for the days of, from the days of Josiah to this day now. And it said, it may be that the house of Judah will hear the judgment, the evil God saying, that I've spoke against them, that they may return from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. So the king sent Jehudi, which was one of the scribes, to fetch the roll, what Jeremiah had written under the inspiration of God, and he took it out of Elisha of the scribe's chamber, and Jehudi began to read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes that stood before the king. Let me, let me paraphrase this. All the leadership of the nation, all of those who were facing Babylonian destruction, the armies are approaching, and God sends one more opportunity to hear the words from the prophet again. Notice what happens. The scripture says uh, 
the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, just letting you know it was kind of cool, and there was a fire in the hearth burning before him. And when he read the words, look at that next verse. When he read, he read about three or four leaves or pages, he pulled out a knife and started cutting up the word of Jeremiah, and he threw it in the fire, and he burned it up. They disregarded what God had to say. Chapter 38, verse number one, the Bible said, Then Shephatiah the son of Matan, and Gedaliah the son of Pasher, Jukal the son of Shilamiah, and Pasher the son of Malchiah heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken, and here's what he said. He said, Thus saith the Lord, If you remain in the city, you're going to die. And you're going to die by the army of the sword, or you're going to die by famine, or you're going to die by pestilence. God was saying to Jerusalem, folks, to Israel, they didn't want to accept this. You have violated the covenant. You've violated God's word. You've set up idols. You've turned to pagan gods. And now God is allowing, he's raised up Babylon. He called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. He's coming to take you captive. He's going to carry you away into a foreign land. Seventy years you're going to be there. Listen to me. The land that you violated the Sabbath is going to lay to rest. And after 70 years, God's saying, I'll bring you back. Hear this. It looks like a pit. It looks like no way out. They've got soldiers in there. They're trying to hold on. But God is saying, if you stay here, you're going to die. I want to tell somebody something today. You may not like what you hear from the word of God. You may not like the prophecies that you hear. But the Lord spoke to me this week and said, you tell them that I said, if they stay there, they're going to die. But if they'll come out of that pit it may take a while it may be some more pain to go through it may be a struggle yet but if you'll hear me says the Lord I'll bring you back I'll raise you up well, I'll bring you out I got out of the pit he's God he can do it you can't survive without him his goal is to save you his goal is to restore you his goal is to bring you out of the pit hallelujah oh glory oh yeah touch somebody and say he brought me out it's all right, Tommy, if I tell him most of his adult life on drugs, dying, and God brought him out of the pit. Hallelujah. Amen. Orville Shanks is sitting back there a few months ago, fell through a hole down into a basement, broke bones all in his face, all in his body. He's sitting back there this morning. He said, I feel good. You know what I said? Brother Orville, you look good. God is... God can bring you out of the pit that you're in. Hallelujah. Let me go on a little bit. If you remain in the city, you're going to die. But he that goes forth to the Chaldeans, which is another word for the Babylonians, shall live. For he shall have his life for a prey. In other words, they're going to take you captive, but you're going to live. Verse number three, thus saith the Lord, this city shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. How many knows that's not popular preaching? Verse number four said, Therefore the princes said to the king, We beseech you, let this man be put to death, for he weakens the hands of the men of war in your city. Sir, you don't understand. This is the word of God. It doesn't matter what you try to do. If you don't submit to the Holy Spirit, 
I feel like the Lord gave me a word, Brian, for somebody this morning. You keep trying to do it your way. You're just digging deeper in the pit. You keep trying to do it your way. You're just sinking farther into destruction. Am I right? You keep trying to do it your way, and you'll find that it's more drugs. It's more alcohol. It's it's more this. It's more of that. But if you'll listen to the word of the Lord this morning, God said, I'll lift you up. I'll bring you out, hallelujah, like David. This poor man cried, and he heard me. He lifted me up out of the miry clay, out of the pit, and he set my feet on a rock, hallelujah, where I could stand. Out of the pit. They wanted to kill Jeremiah. They said he's weakening the hands of the soldiers. You gotta understand the soldiers can't help you. That's, that's what society does. They, they come along with the media and with politicians and with, and with the, what the world has to offer and they try to make you feel good in your sin. Don't listen to the preacher. It's okay. God knows he made you that way. No, sir. God's plan was for you to come to the cross to find Jesus, to get saved, to get delivered from your sin. Sin will kill you. Are you with me? We've been in a pit for a year with the pandemic, COVID, corona, Wuhan flu, call it whatever you want to call it. We've watched people we love die. I told them in the early service this morning, I said, a few weeks ago, we buried Paul Saylor. Paul was a member of our church. He was Eric's dad and Adam's dad and Paula's dad, Pat's husband. A great man, a friend. And I said, I remembered back in 1989, this church had started construction. And we had built the whole back part of the church and had framed up the sanctuary. And we were putting the trusses over this sanctuary. And tragedy hit. The, the building collapsed. The trusses collapsed. I won't go into why. It was just, it was just a fluke. It, it collapsed. I was hurt. I ended up going to the hospital. My family, we live right down the road here. After I return from the hospital, I'm sitting down there in the yard. I'm looking up here at all the destruction, all the work. It's, it's gone. And I'm thinking, man, we can't recover. We've lost all that money. We, we're, we're on a shoestring budget. How many knows when you're an independent Pentecostal church, you're on a shoestring budget? Thank God God is still God, though. And we're sitting down there in that yard, and I'm cut, I'm bruised, my whole side's mangled. I'm sitting down there on the chair, with my head hung down, people are crying, people are wringing their hands. I'll never forget this, the longest day I live, I'm sitting there in that chair, I'm hurt. Paul Saylor walked up behind me, laid his hands on me, and with tears running down his face, he said, Brother Moody, Pastor, I looked up at him with tears dripping off his cheeks. He said, we'll build it back. He said, God will help us, we're gonna build it back. I was in a pit. Can somebody understand what I'm telling you? All of a sudden, things begin to turn. That afternoon, the insurance agent called me. You know what he said? He said, I've sold these construction policies for years, and I know that they, if they're hit by fire, if they're hit by storm, if this or that happens, I've, but I've, I've, I've read these policies. I've never seen it. Get your policy. It was a book. I, he said, turn to page so-and-so, look at article so-and-so, section so-and-so, and right there in one sentence it said, 
covered, collapse under of a building, under construction. He said, I've never seen that before. I begin to feel a little better. Then he's kept talking. He said, we'll pay for the cleanup. We'll pay for the time you lost. We'll pay for the material you lost. We'll buy the material back. We'll pay for the reconstruction. My God, time he got done, we were making money. Are you hearing me? God is able to find you no matter where you are. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you was in a marriage that went wrong and you're left with a broken heart. Maybe you've been betrayed. You feel let down. But I've come to tell you, God's got an Ebed Melik that's coming with a word that'll pick you up out of the pit. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise if you would. There's some things I want to say real quickly about a pit. It's a dark place. It's a discouraging place. I watched Brooke this morning when she was singing. I knew where she'd been. And I saw that anointing hit her. And before she ever testified, I said, that baby's going to be all right. Talking about Brooke, she's going to be all right. Josh is going to be all right because God's got a word. Can you say amen? His word cannot be silenced. You remember the story of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. God told Jonah to go down to Nineveh, that great city, and preach because the sin was horrible and it came up against his ears. And the Bible said, and I won't read all of it, I just kind of paraphrase, Jonah got on a, got on a ship and, and uh, the scripture said that uh, he to flee to Tarshish and uh, he, he went down and he got uh, to Joppa and he, he bought tickets to go to Tarshish, which was in the opposite direction. But while he was on the boat, the Lord sent a great wind into the sea. When I say the Lord put him in a pit, Sent a great sea. It looked like everybody was going to die. And so when they found out what was going on, they took him up and they threw him overboard. Not a good place for a preacher to be in a raging sea. Can you say amen? But God prepared a great fish, a whale, Jesus called it, and it swallowed him. And he died. And he said, in the belly of hell, I lifted up my eyes. You gotta understand that at that time in the old covenant, before resurrection, in the heart of the earth, amen, there was paradise, and then there was a gulf between them, and then there was a lake of fire. And so he was in, when, it's, when it talked about hell, it's the word was Sheol or the grave. He wasn't in the fire, he was in paradise. He's dead. That his body's in the whale. He said seaweeds wrapped around his head, floating around in the digestive juices of a whale. Is anybody hearing me? But he said, I looked again toward God and I cried out. And verse number 10 said, God then spoke to the fish. How many is glad that fish can understand God's word? Come on, whales, fish. That's why when I go fishing, I pray a lot. I can hear the Lord saying, bite that hook. <laughs> Let me go on. God spoke to him. And it vomited Jonah up on dry land. Here's what I want you to hear. Chapter three, verse one. The word of the Lord came the second time to Jonah and said, arise and go to Nineveh. Watch this. And preach the preaching. Say that with me. Preach the preaching that I bid thee. God's word will not be silenced. People may not like it, but preach it anyway. They don't want to hear you talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus anyway. They may not want to give you to give them a card that says Easter at our hop. Give it to them anyway. 
They may throw it on the dash of the car or in the back seat and suddenly the Holy Ghost get a hold of it and they get lifted out of a pit. Hallelujah. I want you to understand me. I've been carrying this all week and I've been seeing people, people in the pit. I thought about Sister Patsy Wells who lost Brother Don who was our, our right arm here at the church, gone to be with Jesus. I, I, I've thought about people that, that, that have died during this COVID and died from other things. I thought about Brother Lonnie Sinners. Not a day I don't miss that man. But I'm going to tell you, he's on the other side. Can I, can I tell you something, Gina? The valley of the shadow of death may be dark, but it takes a mountain with the sun on the other side to make a shadow. And we might be walking around there saying, poor old Lonnie. Lonnie's walking around up there saying, them poor people, what are, what's wrong with them? Why don't they just get it together and come on home to glory? Can you say amen? I'm sure if they've got a racetrack in, in heaven, he's up there somewhere flagging, praise God, or driving or something. Come on, somebody. It's worth it to serve God. The word will not be silenced. God's judgment cannot be stopped. I want somebody to hear me. What God was saying to Israel was, if you stay here, you're going to die. If you come out, you're going to be held captive. You're going to, you're going to be carried off, but I'm going to restore you. Somebody needs to hear me. You walked away from God, and you think things are going to get better. They're not. God's judgment cannot be altered. Your only hope is for Ebed Melech to come by, and that's my name today, with the same old rags, with the same old word, with the same old message, and say your only hope is at the cross. Your only hope is Jesus, can you say amen? How many glad you went to the cross? I said a few weeks ago and preaching up here, and sometimes they take stuff I preach and they put it on the internet and it goes crazy. But uh, I, I said this, when you came to the cross, you came to the place that God always wanted you to be. And it hit the internet, and I don't remember how many thousand people reacted to it. You and I need to understand the cross is our destiny. The, if you're a sinner, even if you're a Christian that's, that's got away from God and you've fallen into a pit, your destiny is the cross. Go to the cross. Everything's available at the cross. Are you hearing me? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Amen. It was there by faith I received my sight. Now I'm happy every day. The judgment of God was put on Jesus and it's at the cross of Calvary that you can get deliverance because he paid for it. Give him praise if you would. They came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 and said, we want to see a sign. He said, there ain't no sign going to be given you except the sign of Jonah. He was in the whale's belly three days. I'm going to the heart of the earth for three days and nights. God gave me this. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to raise it up again. Your only hope is in a resurrected Jesus. That's what he was saying. I've been doing this 42 years. Robert, there's been times I've been down. There's been times I've been discouraged. I told you I was in a pit the day this church fell. I've preached funerals for people, and I'm standing there dying myself because I loved them so good and I wanted to help them. But I understand what God said. My message has to be preached. My word, amen, does not return void. 
And I preached funerals where people were bitter, where they were angry with each other, angry with God, and mad because their loved one died. I've had them look, I was at one time I preached a funeral, went to the graveside and was doing the graveside service, just doing a brief committal, and a, and a, uh, a, a woman spoke up and said, Why don't you just shut up? And they tried to quiet her down. I said, I will when I'm finished. And I said, We've went as far as we can go with this, brother. And I said, here we are today to commit this body back to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. And it looks so final. If this is all there is, we're miserable. I said that. But I said, we have this hope that there's a resurrection, that Jesus is coming. And when he comes, he'll bring them with him. And the trumpet will sound. And the body will get up and be reunited with the Lord with their spirit in the air. And then those of us that are alive and remain will be called up together with them in the clouds. And she told me to shut up, but another woman started shouting, Hallelujah, God can bring you up. I've been in some pits. I've been in funerals where they're carrying guns. Hearing me? They told me one time we were going up to a mountain graveyard and the family had a big falling out and they said, I just want to tell you, it's going to be danger up there. It's going to be trouble. I thought, trouble at a graveside? I've seen worse than this. We rolled up with the casket in the, in the hearse. We got out and, and uh, John Wayne and three cowboys came riding down the, the holler from the hills. So they looked like they had on cowboy hats and big long coats, you know, rain coats, and dressed up all for the affair. And when they got off the horse, they threw their coat back, and every one of them was packing. I said, "Oh Jesus, they wasn't playing. This is going to get dangerous." And they all growling around at each other and cussing and carrying on. And I stepped up and said, "Just a moment." Somebody looked at me. I said, "Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus." I bind every murdering spirit. I bind hatred. Come on, I said, I bind anger. And I said, God, we're here to honor this person. Holy. God can bring you out of any pit you find yourself in. You can't make this stuff up. Joe, I want us to write that book. You can't make this stuff up. Let me, let me go on. God's word won't be stopped. His judgment won't be changed. But hear me, his deliverance is certain. It's certain. Y'all remember the story of Joseph? I'm just going to give you just a brief overview. Joseph was Jacob's youngest. He had gifts, and because he had gifts, his brothers hated him. He dreamed dreams of the future. He dreamed dreams of God's deliverance for his people. And his brothers hated him. In Genesis chapter 37, they were out as nomadic shepherds do, traveling around with the, from pasture land to pasture land. The father got worried about him, told Joseph, said, go find him. He had made Joseph a coat of many colors. Joseph was styling. They all hated him. Amen. And all of a sudden, the brothers look up one day and they see Joseph. Listen to what they said. Here comes that dreamer. Not our brother. Folk, they didn't hate Joseph. They hated his gift. They hated the favor on his life. And they said, let's kill him. And then we will see what comes of his dreams. And they threw him in a pit. 
and they took his coat and they killed an animal and they put blood on it and sent it back to his father and said, a wild beast has devoured your son. But the reality was it was worse than death. He was betrayed by his own brothers and thrown in a pit. And then some Ishmaelites came by and they pulled him up out of the pit and they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which was not the price of redemption. It was the cost of a slave. And he went to Potiphar's house, and Potiphar was a captain of the guard of, the, of, the, of Pharaoh's armies, one of the captains. And he put him in Potiphar's house, and you know the story. Potiphar's wife laid for him, and, and he held his integrity, and he went from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. Let me know it gets worse. It might get worse, but God's deliverance is certain. And later on, when and I'm going to skip all of the you know all the stuff that happened, but I'm just going to tell you. The Bible in Genesis 45, Joseph is he's Lord of all Egypt and he's, he saved the world by the dreams that God gave him and interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. And the scripture says in Genesis 45 and verse four, Joseph says to his brethren, come near to me. He's revealed himself to him. I pray to you, come near me. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. You put me in a pit. You sold me into slavery. I've been in prison, but now I'm in the palace. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a, there's somebody to write a song from the pit to, to Potiphar's house to prison to the palace. Hallelujah. Might be trouble singing with all them peas in it. I don't know. So he said, don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me here. For God did send me. You thought you were selling me, but God was sending me. The, the circumstances, the devil may think he's got you, but God has sent you for deliverance. For deliverance. I dare you look at somebody and say, I'm going to get free today. You might be saved, Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking. You might have fire flying out of your fingertips. But I guarantee you, there's some stuff you need God to do. There's some stuff. Somebody say, there's some stuff. And I need help. Stand with me as Nick comes. I want to tell you something about a pit. You... We're not made for the pit. Logan, you weren't made for the pit. Your address is on your driver's license. It does not say the pit. My name's written in heaven. How many can say that? My name's written in heaven. But sometimes, look, look right here now. Sometimes you find yourself in the pit. But you're not supposed to stay there. God sent somebody with some old rags, with some old garments that's been despised by the world to throw you a line, pull you out, bring you up. I was reading this in Revelation chapter 20. The Bible said in verse number one, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Look what he did with it. He laid hold, amen, of that dragon laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan calls him by name and bound him for a thousand years. Watch what he did with him, verse number three. Look what the angel does with Satan. Now, this is not Michael. 
This is not Gabriel. If it was, it would have named This is just private first class angel. Are you hearing me? I mean, one angel destroyed 120,000 men of war in a night. And this angel comes and cast him into the bottomless pit. Put a seal upon him. I, I, whoa, whoa. He cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up. Now, I like to think that I know that means he shut the lid, but I also like to think it means he shut him up. Because he's been making accusations and accusing the brethren and roaring against God's people. So God shuts him up and throws him in the pit. And it's bottomless and it just keeps going down. And some of you feel like that today. You feel like the situation is bottomless. It just keeps going down, keeps going down. And Satan can't get out. And neither can you until something happens. Look, look at the rest of the scripture. And I know it's talking about the devil. Don't nobody get in an uproar. And uh, put him in there for a thousand years. The thousand years that we're going, enjoying the millennial reign. Here on earth, Satan's in a bottomless pit and he's falling. And he puts him in there. And then he must be loosed for a season. And there's nations that come out of the tribulation that enter into the millennial and they'll be deceived by Satan and they'll try once more to overthrow God. Somebody said, you mean after we get saved and go to heaven and come back? No, not the rapture church, not the glorified saints. This is people that, are you hearing me? Oh, oh, come on, in Matthew 25, there's the judgment of the nations, the sheep and the goats. And that's, that's at the end of the tribulation. And those, those nations that came against Israel are goats and they go to hell. Those nations that didn't are allowed to enter the millennium. Am I right here? You Bible scholars know I am. And Satan's in that pit and he can't get out until God looses him. And he's loosed for a season. And the Lord spoke that to me. He said, there are people in your congregation who are in a pit and they can't get out until I loose them. Until I loose them. Don't be ashamed. David said, I was in a pit in the mire, in the clay. And, and the thing about miry clay is Sam, you can't climb out. You can't get no footing. Every time you try to get a hold of something, it just slips through your hands. So David said, but I, I waited patiently, and then I cried to the Lord, and he brought me out. And God said to me, he said, He said, you tell them. The thing about their pity is it may not seem to have a bottom, but it does have an entrance, and I can bring you out. I can bring you out. You keep flailing and you keep digging and you keep scratching, but you just keep going down. And when you every day you think it's going to get better and it gets darker. But Jesus is the light of the world. He's the rock I'm standing on. He lifted me up out of the horrible pit of the miry clay, set my feet on the rock, established my goings, put a song in my heart. That's why Brooke could stand up here and sing like that this morning. You heard her say, I'm not, it's not over yet. I'm, I'm still going through it, but I've got something to stand on now. Yeah! Standing on the rock. I've got a song in my heart. Anybody got a song in your heart? You might say, I'm still in the pit, but I think I hear a song. God said, I'll bring you out this morning if you'll let me. If you're not saved or if you are, and you've backslidden or you've gotten into a place that you just can't seem to get out of 
You weren't made for the pit. You weren't made for depression. You weren't made for anxiety. The Bible said anxiety is fear and fear hath torment, but perfect love casts out fear. I mean, anything you can tell me, I can tell you that with these old rags, I can pull you out. No matter what it is. Get out of the pit. I dare you turn around to about three people and say, come on out of that pit. Get out of that pit. Come out of the pit. Come out of depression. Come out of discouragement. Come out of bondage. Come out of addiction. Come out of pornography. Come on. Come out of adultery. Come out of lust. Come out of bitterness. Come out of unforgiveness. Oh, come out of being defeated. Coming up, Lord. I'm coming up. I dare you to look at somebody and say, I'm coming up. I'm climbing the rough side of the mountain, but praise God, he's given me something to hold on to. Coming out. Coming out. And said our hearts on you. Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.